Well, a ceasefire in itself is not an aim. Your government has no intention of allowing a sovereign Palestinian state to be created, does it? The Palestinians are refusing again to come to negotiations with us. The violent confrontation between Israel and the Palestinians has gone into its second week with concern mounting around the world at the high number of civilian deaths, especially in Gaza. My guest this week from Jerusalem is Michael Freeman, policy advisor to Israel's foreign minister. Will his country now listen to the key criticisms being leveled by the Biden administration and go back to seeking a two-state solution. Michael Freeman, welcome to Conflict Zone. Thank you for having me. Last Sunday, Israeli forces killed at least 42 people in Gaza, including at least 10 children. That was in one day. Your prime minister is on record as saying Hamas and Islamic Jihad paid and will pay a very heavy price for their belligerence. Their blood is forfeit. Well, by now, the death toll is well over 100. At least 61 children are reported dead. Is that enough blood that's been forfeited? This is not about, you know, the, the death of innocence for us is a tragedy. And, and this is about Hamas, who've been firing rockets at Israel and, making, and us making sure that Hamas can't do that again. You know, 3,700 rockets fired from within Gaza into Israeli towns and cities and villages and to the civilian population. And we are doing what we need to do to defend our civilians. And I we're understand. doing what any country would do in order to do that. I understand, but what's an acceptable level of casualties for you among the Palestinian population for this punishment operation of yours? Well, there's no acceptable level of, uh, of casualties. We don't want any casualties. Every civilian casualty, every loss of life, innocence, is a tragedy. Before I'm Israeli, before someone's Palestinian, we're all human beings, and the death of an innocent human being is an absolute tragedy, and we need to do everything we can to try and avoid those uh, civilian casualties and do everything we can, and that's what we're doing, and that's what we will continue to do um, when, we're, when, we're, when we're carrying out this operation to reduce Hamas's capability. This is about trying to make sure that Hamas don't have the ability and don't have the rockets to carry on attacking us. If you want to reduce civilian casualties, why not accept the ceasefire that's been offered and the ceasefire that uh, countries around the world are calling for? Well, a ceasefire in itself is not an aim. The aim mustn't be it's just a start. to have a ceasefire. It's a start, every other it? time, it's a start. But, every, but, it, but every, time, every time we've had a ceasefire, the ceasefire has only ever lasted 24, 48 hours, a week or two weeks, or it's ended up being that Israel does the ceasing and Hamas do the firing. We need to make sure that, that we, whatever happens now, we have a sustainable period of calm so that this is not something that happens again in a few months' time, but rather Hamas understand that attacking Israel is not worth their while, and they will wait, then it will, we will have a long period without any conflict. That's in the interest of both Israelis and Palestinians. The death of so many Palestinian children raises questions about whether your response has been proportionate, a key factor in determining whether you acted legitimately. Did you? Because in the face of it, there's nothing proportionate about killing and injuring 20 times the number of people killed by your enemy, is there? Well, it's the, the issue about proportionality is proportionate to the number of, of, of rockets that are being fired at us and the threat that we're receiving. Um, you know, ultimately, there's a fundamental difference between the democratic state of Israel and the radical terror, Islamist terrorists of Hamas. Whereas we use Human our beings are the same on both sides. Civilians, 
We're talking about human beings. You absolutely. said you worried about absolutely. human beings, absolutely. whether they were Palestinian or absolutely. Israeli. Absolutely. Absolutely. The death of human beings on each side is tragic. You know, I'm a father of two young children. And when I look at my children, I, I think about their future and what I want for their future. But I also think about Palestinian children, about their future and about what is important for them. I want to see them grow up with hopes. I want to see them grow up with the future. I want to see them grow up with, a, with, a, with, a, with better ideas and opportunities there. But in order Mr. Freeman, my, my, my point is sure this. That, but in order to do that, we need to, we need to make sure that Hamas aren't there. If Hamas are there, Hamas are the ones who are stealing the future of Palestinian children. And my, that's the real Mr. Mr. Freeman, you, you made that point. My point is that you can argue justification and self-defense, but it's harder to argue that the scale of damage and bloodshed that you inflict is proportionate, isn't it? That's, that's much harder to argue. Well, we are doing everything we can, as I said, to avoid civilian casualties. We're using, the difference between us is this, that we use our weapons to defend our civilians, and Hamas uses their civilians to defend their weapons. You're hitting Hamas hospitals and primary healthcare centers. You're hitting hospitals and primary healthcare centers. Well, we are making sure that what we target are weapons supplies, and we are targeting where Hamas are putting their command and control centers. They're deliberately putting their weapon places into, into next to schools, in next to hospitals, into civilian areas. That's what Hamas do. And if we're going to try and stop Hamas from having these weapons and to give the Palestinians a better future, we need to destroy these weapons stores. And that's yes, what we're doing. Yes, but it doesn't relieve you of the responsibility, you know, even if they put their... their military installations close to hospitals, it doesn't relieve you of the responsibility of sparing those hospitals and medical centers um, in, in the conflict situation. You have that responsibility. You don't seem to be following that. Well, as far as I'm aware, we haven't hit any hospitals in, uh, in, in, in Gaza. There are two things that we do. Firstly, we check the number of civilians that are there. And if we see there are a number of civilians in the area, we call off any airstrike or, any, uh, or anything that we're going to do because we want to avoid civilians. And we give warnings to all those in the area if we're going to destroy a building or we're going to destroy a command and control center from phoning people, from giving warning shots in advance. We do everything we possibly can to avoid those casualties. And as you well know, Tim, when Western countries face and fight against a terror organization embedded in civilian populations, um, Israel is doing very well re re um, relatively in terms of avoiding civilian casualties compared to other Western countries who have had to have, face the same situation. Mr. Freeman, let's take your destruction of the Gaza building which housed the Associated Press and Al Jazeera. You claim that Hamas also operated from there, but the NGO Reporters Without Borders says it has reason to believe your military intentionally targeted media organizations and intentionally destroyed their equipment. Is that true? I completely reject that. That's a, that's a preposterous uh, suggestion. Israel is known for a free and open press. You've been here a number of times yourselves. You know that the press here have complete freedom. We have a democratic system. We have debate. We have numbers of newspapers and televisions, and everybody is free to go about. We have absolutely nothing against the press. Quite the opposite. We encourage the press to operate here and to shine a light on things. If anything, it's Hamas who uh, uh, do not want the press and do not want people looking at what they're doing. Well, but reporters without Borders, reporters Without Borders would challenge that. It said by the 17th of May, your forces had destroyed the offices of 23 international and local media organizations. That doesn't sound much like an accident, does it? More of a pattern, isn't it? 
Well, we, 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 the building that you refer to, we targeted because Hamas had a command and control center there that they were planning terrorist activities against the communities outside, inside Israel, outside of the Gaza border. They were planning specific terror operations from within that building. And in order to defend our citizens, we decided to stop them being able to attack us. We gave everybody plenty of warning and plenty of time before we destroyed their command I'm, and I'm, I'm not center. disputing. I'm um, not disputing that you gave a warning, but U.S. Secretary of State Blinken has said he's now been given additional intelligence material about the attack on this building, but he has pointedly declined to support your declared motivation for this strike. My question is, will you assist an independent investigation which AP is calling for? Look, we, we, we have uh, provided, as you said, we provide intelligence information to our allies in America, which clearly show the status of that building being used by Hamas for terror organizations. And uh, we, we hope that we will be able to, in the near future, declassify more of that information so that the world can see exactly how Hamas was cynically uh, manipulating the media, manipulating the civilian infrastructure in order to put themselves in that building. Mr. Freeman, let's just look at some of the background to this latest violence. There were weeks of clashes in East Jerusalem before the fighting began in the Gaza Strip and in some of your cities. Why were there no serious attempts to de-escalate the growing tensions? Well, actually, we made a number of attempts to de-escalate the, uh, the, the situation. Well, putting up, putting up barriers uh, to stop Palestinians gathering in the evening at the Damascus Gate? That was pretty inflammatory. Well, we... And after a couple of days, we removed the barriers. But we did. We took another, a number of other steps as well. We banned Jews uh, from going to the Temple Mount, the holiest site in Judaism. We banned them from going up there, uh, including during the Jerusalem Day, the Jerusalem Day parade that we hold every year. We changed the route of that. Uh, the court case that was going on in the Supreme Court, we delayed it for a, uh, for a month. The number of incendiary balloon attacks that were being fired over from Gaza, setting fires to vast swathes of, uh, agricultural, uh, of agricultural land in the border inside Israel. And we didn't respond in any way to that. We did everything we possibly could to de-escalate. But Hamas Well, you, you didn't do determined... everything, did you? Because you had police firing rubber bullets inside the mosque, the, the third holiest shrine in Islam, and in the middle of the holy month of Ramadan. Now, that wasn't calculated to calm tensions, was it? Well, Tim, for, for ever since Israel has been in control of the, uh, the old city since 1967, we've guaranteed freedom of religion and freedom of worship. And every year, hundreds of thousands of Muslims come to the Temple, come to the temple Mount and they pray at the Al-Aqsa Mosque during Ramadan. Hundreds of thousands of Muslims every year. You're and not answering my question. I'm talking about firing but rubber I, bullets. I, I, I'm coming to it. No, I'm coming to it. I'm coming to it. I'm coming to it. Hundreds of thousands of Muslims uh, pray peacefully. This year, for some reason, the, uh, there were a small group of people, of agitators, de de uh, dictated to by Hamas, who decided to gather stones and gather rocks and gather fireworks and gather flares and to throw them on the Jewish worshippers at the, the, the western wall below, to throw fireworks at them, to throw rocks at them, to attack the police who were in the area. And the police, like in any other country, decided to restore order because Praying is something that we encourage. Praying and worship is something we want on the Temple Mount. Having a group of radicals and extremists who are going to be attacking and preventing people from worship, that's not acceptable. And we acted as any country would to restore law and order. Law and order is important in and, this area and, to and, allow and people they, the right and to And they pray. say they were being provoked by Jewish extremists. Um,
Mr. Mr. Freeman, even as the fighting has gone on, the White House has signaled serious concern, not just about your evictions of Palestinians. You mentioned the ongoing court case, which, which was uh, delayed, but about the frequent bulldozing of Palestinian homes. On May the 11th, uh, Joe Biden's spokesperson said U.S. officials had spoken candidly to you about these issues and about how those evictions and demolitions work against what she called our common interest in achieving a solution to the conflict. In other words, stop it. Are you going to stop it? These evictions and well, bulldozings? The, well, the, 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 the situation in Sheikh Jarrah is a, is a complicated court case. We have a number of uh, Palestinians who live in, uh, and, and, uh, in, this, in these buildings in Sheikh Jarrah, Palestinian Arabs who live in East Jerusalem. Um, and there is an ongoing court case. And it's it. There's a number of them who uh, say that they don't recognize the right of the Jewish people who say they own the building. There are a number of people who are number to be assigned a lease with the people who own the building and therefore recognize but have stopped paying. It's gone through the courts for over 10 years. And the Supreme Court in Israel will make a ruling on this. And the Supreme Court and the judiciary in Israel is recognized as an independent judiciary, which is well respected throughout the world for its, uh, for its um, uh, independence and for its uh, due to prudence. And but it's not, just, sure it's not just it's not just Sheikh Jarrah. It's not just Sheikh Jarrah that the White House is talking about. Last year, according to the UN, you demolished 848 Palestinian structures in the West Bank and Jerusalem, displacing almost a thousand people. As I said, according to the UN, are you going? Are you going to stop doing this? Because this is what the, is causing concern at the White House, the highest levels of the U.S. administration. But we, 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 will, we want to encourage a, a peace process and discussion with the Palestinians. Um, when people are building illegally, then uh, the civil, the civil um, uh, authorities make sure that people don't build illegally. Those buildings can often be dangerous. They can be instable, unstable, and they can cause a danger both to the inhabitants and to the people around them. But the real, I mean, all of these issues that, are, that you're talking about need to be discussed in conversations with the Palestinians face to face. And the Palestinians are refusing, again, to come to negotiations with us. You know, my, my, uh, my boss, the, uh, for the uh, foreign minister, has called repeatedly for the Palestinians to come to the table and to enter negotiations with us and to move these issues forward. So that's really what we would like to see happen. This White House wants a political settlement that leads to a two-state solution, but your government has no intention of allowing a sovereign Palestinian state to be created, does it? Well, the first stage needs to be that the Palestinians come to the negotiating table. There's nothing to, uh, we can't talk about where we're at the end of the process. Until well, yes, we you can, you can, because you've, you've made future. clear, we've had a raft of contradictory statements from your government over the years about how they're not going to allow a Palestinian state. In 2015, your prime minister said, Benjamin Netanyahu said, if I'm elected, there won't be a Palestinian state. In 2017, he said, what I'm prepared to give the Palestinians isn't exactly a state with all the powers, but a state minus. And your cabinet minister, Saki Hanegbi, said last June, Israeli settlers don't need to worry because there will never be a Palestinian state. So that's why I ask you whether you have ruled out a two-state solution. It seems from these comments that you absolutely have. Well, as I said to you, the important thing is to start the negotiations and see where the negotiations go. But it's also but they've already ruled out. They've already set boundaries any, to the negotiations. We, 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 we need to. We need to. We also need to see 
what a, any Palestinian state would be. If a Palestinian state is going to be Gaza, or it's going to be Syria, or it's going to be Iraq, or it's going to be another failed state that doesn't have any rights and has internal conflict and war and bombings and terrorism, and attacking Israel as a neighbor, then that's certainly not in the interest of Israel. I would argue it's not in the interest of the Palestinians, and it's not in the interest of the neighborhood. So we have to establish exactly what form of state we're talking about, and we have to have negotiations with the Palestinians. And if the Palestinians are willing to talk to us and to negotiate with us, I am sure that we will come to a, uh, an answer and something that works both for Israel and the Palestinians. It needs to you've satisfy already, the needs you've already, of both you've already Israelis given and the your, Palestinians. You've already given your answers with the quotes I just gave you. President Biden said last week he wants to see steps to enable the Palestinian people to enjoy dignity, security, and freedom. The implication being that they don't have any of those things. When is Israel going to take those steps? Well, we would like to see the same thing. I want to see the Palestinians to have a better future. I want to see them have freedom. I want to see them have all of those, all of those things that you mentioned, Tim. But at the moment, as you know, Gaza is controlled by Hamas. The Palestinian areas are controlled by, by uh, the Palestinian Authority. They haven't had free elections in 15 years in, that, in, in, in those areas. They're in Gaza, Hamas, who've received billions of dollars of aid, instead of spending that money on hospitals, on schools, on even vaccines for COVID, they've spent that money on building terror networks, on building rockets, on building tunnels for the Palestinians to have a better future, which is in, it's in my interest. I want the Palestinians to have a better future. I want their children to have the same hopes and the same opportunities that my children have. But in order to do that, they need to have a leadership that if, also if, wants their, if you, be also if you, their best interest. In if art. you genuinely wanted those things you were talking about, you'd do something about the fact that um, millions of Palestinians in the occupied territories have no right to elect the government whose armies rule, whose army rules over them. Even Palestinians who are permanent residents of Jerusalem can't take part in national elections. Why not? Well, the Palestinians who live in the West Bank and Gaza can take part in elections if the Palestinian Authority would have them. In 2006 was the last elections they have. They're I'm meant talking to be about elections years, for the government of Israel. Years. I'm talking about elections well, for the, the government of Israel, the occupying power in West Bank and East Jerusalem. As Senator Bernie Sanders, himself well, a Jew, put it over the weekend, Israel remains the one sovereign authority in the land of Israel and Palestine. And rather than preparing for peace and justice, it's been entrenching its unequal and undemocratic control. I suppose you'd say he doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, I think we have to separate between Israel and the, the West Bank and Gaza. Inside Israel, every citizen, uh, Jew, Arab, Christian, Muslim, it doesn't matter who, has the right to vote and has full democratic rights. You know, we've, as you know, we've had four elections in the I'm last I'm talking about years, the millions of Palestinians in the West Bank, Gaza and East Jerusalem well, the, who, the don't, who don't have these the rights and live under Israeli occupation. But the Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza are have autonomy and have their own elections for their own leadership. The fact that their leadership haven't held elections in 15 years is not an issue that Israel has to deal with. That's an issue for the Palestinian leadership. The Palestinians and the, the world and the Palestinians ask for autonomy on a, on a step of the process. 
Under the Oslo Accords, they got that autonomy and they got that process. The fact they haven't had an election in 15 years surely can't be blamed we're, on Israel. We're not, we're not talking about not their elections. We're democracy. talking about their rights to take part in yours. Um, the latest human rights report but from they're the... Not part of, but Tim, but, but Tim, but Tim, but they are under your occupation. The they are but the under Palestinians your living, The Palestinians rule. living in the West Bank aren't Israeli citizens. And as you said yourself, they, are they don't want to be They are under your effective citizens. rule because as your Supreme Court told you back in 2004, you hold that area in belligerent occupation. And now you're telling me you don't but have any responsibility for it. In agreement. But, we are, we are, but in, the, in international agreements we sign with the Palestinians and with the Palestinian Authority, they are the responsible people and they're meant to hold elections. And they haven't held elections for their own people. You seem to be avoiding the fact that the latest State Department human rights report two months ago highlighted widespread discrimination suffered by Palestinians and other minorities under your effective rule. Have you read this report or don't you bother with them? Of course we read all the reports. So you will know that it says Arab Muslims, along with Christians, Druze and Ethiopian citizens, face persistent institutional and societal discrimination. Exactly the same criticism that it flags up year after year, about which Israel does precisely nothing. Why is that? Well, I, I don't agree that Israel does nothing. I think that Israel is taking significant steps to, uh, to, to address these issues. But you're right, like other countries in the world, we have, we have faults. You know, there are every country, every democratic country in the world has faults. We aren't perfect. I'm not here to tell you that Israel's a perfect country. It's not just faults, it's massive we've discrimination against we've the Palestinians. Problems, but we've got, well, well, we've got problems and we've got challenges. And if you're talking about Israeli Arabs and you're talking about other minorities within Israel, it's an issue that we have to deal with. And it's an issue we're, we're challenging. And for example, in but the area of But you've been warned about this for years and you've ignored it. You've been warned about this for years. Well, I don't think I don't think we have ignored it. For example. Uh, in higher education, in the last seven years, there's been an 80% increase in the number of Israeli Arabs who are going into higher education. There are, there are programs to invest significantly in the last three to five years. The amount of money that we've invested in the Arab sector in society is greater than anything we've invested ever before. We are consistently working on these issues. But you're right, Tim. Well, what about health care, for instance? Challenges. What there about health care, for instance? Well, the, 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 the report says that although the law healthcare. provides that all residents of Jerusalem are fully and equally eligible for public services, the municipality and other authorities failed to provide sufficient social services, education infrastructure and emergency planning for Palestinian neighborhoods. Why that discrimination, Mr. Freeman? Why? Well, because as I said to you, we're working to address some of these issues. But if we take, just as an example, the recent COVID uh, outbreak and the vaccination campaign that, that Israel ran, our most successful uh, campaign, we vaccinated every single Israeli, whether they were Jew, whether they were Arab, they were Christian, Muslim, every single person was vaccinated. It didn't matter who they were or where they were. They were vaccinated according to age and only according to age. And then as they went down, everybody's been vaccinated. And that's the reason that today we don't have COVID as a serious issue inside Israel because our entire population, every single person, Jew, Arab from Jerusalem, East Jerusalem, West Jerusalem, from the north of the country, the south of the country, everybody's been vaccinated, including, by the way, hundreds of thousands 
thousands of Palestinians that we've also vaccinated. And a lot of Palestinians in the West Bank and, uh, and East Jerusalem who were turned out of their houses in the middle of the pandemic. You don't mention that. Um, Mr. Freeman, in the time we've got left, if the Biden administration offers to restart talks, will you sit down and address the institutional and societal discrimination to which the US, your closest ally, says you've subjected the Palestinians? Will you do that? We keep calling on the Palestinians to return to negotiations and to have discussions with us. So if, if anybody can bring the Palestinians to the table, then that would be a positive thing. We need the Palestinian Authority to do that. We need them to come to the table and say they are willing to talk to us and willing to discuss a better future for Israelis and for Palestinians. We're certainly in favour of that. A few years ago, your former Prime Minister Ehud Barak warned you that if the occupation continued, Israel, he said, would inevitably become either non-Jewish or non-democratic. Human rights groups say you've chosen the non-democratic option. Donald Trump didn't mind that, but it seems that Biden and his party do mind. Are you ready for a rocky ride with this administration? Look, Israel and, uh, and America have a very, very strong relation. We have a very strong relation with President Biden and the Biden administration. And we've seen over the last couple of days and the last couple of weeks, America and President Biden's steadfast support for Israel and Israel's right to defend itself. And that's, uh, you know, Israel and America relations are bipartisan issues. And far uh, and less we're based steadfast, on values and we're based on... Far less steadfast support from the US Congress, particularly from Democratic senators who have now floated the idea of holding up arms shipments to you because they don't like what you've been doing with the Palestinians over the last few days. That's new. That hasn't happened before. The the relationship, but the relationship with Israel and America is 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 long-standing and it's it's uh, bipartisan and it, it really does cross all, all both the parties in America and we see a. You're not the, addressing the, the criticism. The criticism has been intense could, from parts of the Democratic Party. You know that. Look, as I said to you, we, we have a very strong relationship with the, with the Democratic Party, which is historic. You know, when I, when I come into the office every single day into the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, downstairs uh, is okay. the very pen that was used by President Truman to sign okay. the uh, recognition of the State of Israel. Mr. Freeman, and I'm that's afraid... A Democratic president. I'm afraid we're out of time. Thanks very much for being on Conflict Zone. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs>